Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Community Radio. This is bringing light into darkness, news, and analysis. I'm your host, Pedro Gatos, and we are transmitting from Austin, Texas, for your listening edification. Today is Friday, December the 9th, 2022, and this show will be rebroadcast on Monday, December the 12th, 2022, from 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. At koop.org, all comments are welcomed and can be sent to Pedro at pgatos00 at gmail.com. That's pgatos00 at gmail.com. Many of the shows are archived at pedrogatos.org. This is our 136th post-COVID show. A new world, but the same place. So stay tuned for a very informed and documented dialogue. Thank you for joining us. And we hope to have a recording of the show up on pedrogatos.org website for your closer scrutiny within the week. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and thanks for inviting your friends to join us in future shows. So stay tuned. But first, in the battle of ideas, let's get ready to go to war. Welcome. This is Bringing Light into Darkness, Monday News and Analysis, with your host, Pedro Gatos. Again. Thanks for joining us. We have a sensational show tonight, as quite frankly we have every Monday night. If your interest is to get as close to the truth as any news and analysis show will allow you, then you are in the right place. Welcome to Bringing Light into Darkness, where we invite you to join in our weekly pursuit for social justice, a pursuit where we seek to separate fact from fiction and where we acknowledge uncertainty, where we seek to deconstruct deceit by identifying where unproven allegations are presented as fact through repetition in the absence of evidence and where uncertainties are approached from a humble critical thinking perspective because our interest is in deconstructing deceit and depression not enabling it tonight ray mcgovern returns to bringing light into darkness ray has over 27 years of experience working as a CIA agent and for the last two decades has been calling out our nation's misrepresentations to the American public regarding foreign policy issues. Many of the years of his service for the CIA were directly involved with Russian-U.S. relations. Enjoy. Welcome, Alternative News listeners. This is 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. This is Bringing Light into Darkness. Monday News and Analysis. I am your host, Pedro Gatos. Today is Friday, December the 9th, 2022, and this show will be aired in its entirety on Monday, December the 12th, 2022. It is a great honor to having returned to Bringing Light into Darkness, Ray McGovern. Ray, welcome back to Bringing Light into Darkness. Thanks, Pedro. Glad to be with you. Well, listen, let me just share. Ray, is a former CIA officer. He was an analyst from 1963 to 1990. And in fact, in the 1980s, he chaired the prestigious National Intelligence Estimates, the NIE, making daily briefs to the president and his team. He is an activist who lectures about, among other issues, the war and the role of the CIA. He's got great aptitude in Russian-U.S. politics. He got his M.A. in Russian studies from Fordham University. He is a fluent Russian speaker. He got a certificate in theological studies from Georgetown University and is a graduate of Harvard Business School's Advanced Management Program. 
I particularly wanted to go back to your certificate in theological studies. You have worked, Ray, and we've spent some time together in D.C. working with the Tell the World, the publishing arm of the Ecumenical Church of the Savior in the inner city of Washington. I'm a big fan of the principles of honesty, truth, no matter where it takes you. And some of these principles are woven into some of the more liberating elements of religion that I've come across from people like Arnolfo Romero and and certainly your experience doing that type of work in the D.C. area. And so the reason I bring that up and I wanted you to talk about it a little bit is because in the world today, there's so much disinformation trying to figure out who to believe and who's an honest broker or not, these types of issues I think are important. Can you tell us a little bit about the work that the ecumenical church, the Tell the World, does in the D.C. area and how you got connected to it and the importance in your own evolution of political thought this influence has had? Sure, Pedro. This is an unusual question, but I think it's relevant. You know, we talk about, well, you, you said I was got involved in politics. Well, that's only correct insofar as Jesus of Nazareth got involved in politics. Uh, he was a justice person. The political system that he opposed or spoke out against it, the Jewish religious authorities that were co-opted by the Roman authorities were doing a dirty deal to the people, okay? There was no real justice there. And there were periodic rebellions in Palestine, as you know, so there was no real peace. So uh, this Jesus that I try to follow, it's not like he died because I'm a bad guy or that we're all bad or because Adam ate some kind of apple. It, he, he could have slept peacefully in his bed and died there as a Hebrew prophet if he didn't get involved in, quote, politics. Now, you mentioned that I studied a at Georgetown as well as Fordham and Harvard. And I got a, a certificate degree in sort of a gentleman's master's uh, in theological studies. And I learned there from Jesuits coming back from Salvador and Honduras and Guatemala. Well, one of them, a very prominent guy named Dean Brackley, who took the place of one of the slain Jesuits there in November of 1989. He said, look, you know, my theology boils down to this. It all depends on who you think God is and how God feels when little people are pushed around. Wow. That's pretty what I buy in, you know. When little people are pushed around, whether they're in Texas or whether in California, whether in Guatemala or Salvador or Ukraine, when they get pushed around, it's our job, it seems to me, as followers of this Jesus of Nazareth, to not let them push around, but to speak out and to cause whatever, you know, whatever problems, whatever friction that induces to make people realize the truth. Because without truth, you can't have justice. Without justice, you can't have peace. And, you know, peace in the biblical sense, uh, shalom. It just simply means the existence of justice. No justice, well, you know, no peace. Uh huh. It's very interesting that you mentioned little people. I think of and use the term majority population interests all the time, because at the end of the day, that's really what it's about. If our foreign policy is in a country, how does that impact the the majority population interest. If we really are promoting democracy, and Dr. King would say our national allegiance should be to those kind of 
religious principles that you just overviewed, then the impact on the poor, that's what Archbishop Romero, he was gunned down doing his mass by, you know, El Salvadoran interests that were supported by the U.S. And at that time. We lost our four churchwomen, Mary Noel Sisters Maura Clark and Edith Ford, Ursuline Sister Dorothy Kazel and lay missionary Jean Donovan. They were all murdered their anniversary of their assassination and sexual assaults by a government we were supporting was on December 2nd, 1980. I just wanted to pay homage to them and everyone else that fought so diligently and fearlessly for the poor of Central America in the 1980s and before and after. These women were heroes and they are just four souls that have been victims of our own foreign policy and by a media that have abandoned their mandate and has enabled a foreign policy that has a long history of being complicit through its silence with governments that ruthlessly repress their people, including... It's all sorts of clergy. You know, we were told that they're a bunch of communists when, in fact, of course, they were just helping the poor. I mean, it was just slanderous type of stuff like that. But I bring that up because I know you personally, Ray, and it's a blessing to know you personally. And I know that Wherever the truth takes you is where you go. You're not invested in any particular political this or that or whatever. And you co-founded a group in 2003, the Veterans Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. And that combination to me is really powerful. A quarter century of, of U.S. foreign policy experience and a deep spiritual faith of right over wrong. Here you have your intelligence work began in the U.S. Army, but you continued at the CIA and you actually span somewhat seven or six or seven presidents from President Kennedy to President George H.W. Bush. Then as a co-founder of the Veterans of Intelligence Professionals in 2003, you, along with people like William Benny and other technical gurus when it came to intelligence, these people are credibly insightful. With unrivaled insights into how the CIA and the National Security Agency, the NSA, operate in real life. So when think about how our government has lied to us. A pattern of lies that we have documented on previous shows time and time again about all these foreign interventions. And then we have people like yourself that were in the inside of that, putting together a group of conscientious objectors of sorts that would bring forth information that would contradict some of the current lies that went on. Even though they would not make it to the U.S. public because the mainstream media's refusal to share in any type of depth these incredibly important indictments of the mainstream narrative that you and others presented. And I guess what I'm trying to bring this to up towards, Ray, maybe you can help me a little bit, was this whole process of demonizing Russia. We're certainly not here to make Russia any prettier than it is. We know it has some authoritarian issues and, and other issues of sorts, but the gross distortion and the hate that has been ingrained into the American psyche as an ongoing process for so many years a lot of that was around this Russiagate deal, claiming that Russia had hacked into the DNC emails and Hillary Clinton's emails. And your work, not just your work, but the work of your team, including William Binney, completely shot that stuff down in a couple of articles that we'll allude to in a second. In fact, the two articles that I will be alluding to in this segment with you, Ray, I want to share with our audience. One is Americans Dumbed Down on Russia that you recently had published in antiwar.com on December 5th, 2022, 
The other article we will be referring to is dated back on December 12, 2016, some six years ago, specific to the fabrication that laid behind the charges that Russia had hacked the DNC. This was an article by you and the Veterans for Intelligence Professionals back on December 12, 2016, entitled U.S. Intel Vets Dispute Russia Hacking Claims. There's an anniversary, this guy Sean Henry with the CrowdStrike. His December 5th, 2017 testimony you allude to in one of your articles. They were given the, the job of looking at the DNC servers and for years it was claimed with absolute certainty that they had incontrovertible proof that this was a hack rather than a leak and it was done by the Russian state. Can you take us back to those hearings, to that whole Mueller process, and actually what it did prove or did not prove, and get us realigned with what to really understand and believe about all that, rather than what we do believe? Yeah, Pedro, you know, before we leave the truth and justice and peace complex, you mentioned Dr. King. And as you know, I've, I've taught a lot about Dr. King. And even subjects I taught just just peripherally related to Dr. King, I always include my favorite quote from the letter from the Birmingham City Jail, in which Dr. King talks about the price you pay for telling the truth, for exposing injustice. And he says this, and this is very, very brief, like a boil. So he compares it to a boil. Okay, Like a boil that can never be cured unless it is opened up with all its pus-flowing ugliness to the natural medicines of air and life, so injustice and truth must be revealed. With all the friction its revelation incurs to the light of human conscience and the air of national opinion before it could be cured. So that's what I see as our common job. We've got to expose all this stuff with all the all the pus-flowing ugliness that comes from it. And the pus-flowing ugliness, I'm afraid, in this case, what you're referring to is this fable that Russia hacked into the Democratic National Committee computers and gave the emails to WikiLeaks to publish. Now, which emails? Well, they were incredibly damaging emails because they showed that Hillary Clinton and the DNC, the Democratic National Committee, had pretty much stolen the nomination from Bernie Sanders. <laughs> the deck was so stacked against Bernie, he didn't have a snowball's chance in hell, right? Okay, these emails showed that. So when it became clear, actually it became clear in mid-June, 2016, that uh, Julian Assange had these emails, WikiLeaks. Had it become clear? He said he had them. And he said they were pending publication. Well, the DNC and the Hillary campaign uh, busied themselves and tried to figure out how they could attenuate the effect of the revelation of these emails. Long story short, they were revealed three days before the Democratic National Convention at the end of July 2016, and the response was all orchestrated. Why did Russia do this? You ask, what's the connection with Russia? There wasn't any. They made it up. And now we know that not only Hillary Clinton personally, but President Barack Obama personally orchestrated 
launched this magnificent diversion of attention away from what the email said, what they proved. You know, this is documentary evidence, right? Uh, to why did the Russians do this? Now, they had to invent a Russian hacking, and they did. Okay. In October, President Obama ordered his director of national intelligence and his secretary of homeland security to concoct, and I use the word advisedly, to concoct a story saying the Russians hacked those DNC emails and the Russians hacked other things because they wanted Donald Trump to win. Now, this is before the election, okay? October 2016. Later in October, Hillary Clinton herself approved a scheme that didn't make any sense at all, but it didn't have to. It just had to last a couple of weeks before the election. What they did, these smart Democratic lawyers, and they admit it, it's in court testimony, for God's sake. So are the emails showing that Obama was personally involved and wanted to push this story even before James Clapper, the head of national intelligence, was ready to push it, okay? They didn't have any evidence, and they hadn't even constructed the evidence yet. So what happened? Hillary Clinton is told that her techies, employed by her fancy-shoed lawyers, uh, have concocted a scheme connecting the Trump campaign to Alpha Bank. Now, does Alpha Bank sound sinister? Well, it should. It's in Moscow, okay? And there are secret communications going on between the Trump campaign and the Russians through Alpha Bank. Was it true? Of course it wasn't, okay? Now, what happened? The technical people working on this so-called project, the technical people being paid to come up with this, quote, evidence, end quote, held their noses and warned the DNC and warned Hillary Clinton and her people that this wouldn't stand up to close scrutiny for, for two days. So when people see the holes of this technical evidence, so you really want us to go through with this? <laughs> the answer was yes. Now, how do we know that Hillary was personally involved? About two months ago, no, three months ago now, Robbie Mook, her campaign manager, swore under oath that, yes, they briefed Hillary on this, and she approved it. Then the election comes. Witness. I mean, remember now, the Democrats did everything they could to smear Trump so he wouldn't win. I mean, how did the director of Homeland Security, director of National Intelligence, director of the FBI think they could get away with this? I mean, this is gross interference in a national election, right? Well, it's very clear. Follow me here. James Comey wrote a book, and he explained his actions during this period. He said, and I quote, we were operating in an environment where we were certain that Hillary Clinton would be our next president of the United States, period, end quote. Well, if that's the environment in which you're operating, you're going to allow yourselves to do all kinds of illegal and extra-legal and untoward things to make sure that this other guy, Trump, is defeated. And that's precisely what they did. Okay, now, the election happens. Trump wins despite all this stuff, okay? And what do they do then? They do just what they wanted to do all along, blacken the Russians, blacken the Russians, and accuse them of, I reveal my own prejudices here. I think Donald Trump was the very worst president the United States ever had. And that's going some because George W. Bush is his second in line. 
So it's not that I want to defend Trump. It's just that as much as he lied, a broken clock lies, right? Except for two times a day. <laughs> well, Trump was right about the, the Democratic and the media campaign to discredit him, prevent him from winning the election, and then after the election, taint him as being in Putin's pocket. And so being in Putin's pocket, he couldn't possibly reach out to Russia to have a decent relationship, which is what he claimed he wanted to do. Whether he could do that or not on his own, I don't know. But the poof was in the pudding. He couldn't do that on his own. Let me interrupt you for just one second, because I also remember that these quote-unquote indictments of these different Russian quote-unquote actors, indictments that never were proven. However, they had an incredible, powerful influence in pouring cold water on Trump's interest of reproachment with Russia. These indictments, which subsequently resulted in no convictions, was coincidentally released by Mueller's team just a few days before President Trump was to meet with Russian President Vladimir Putin at the 2018 Russia-United States Summit on July 16, 2018 in Helsinki, Finland. There are those in our government that want no reproachment with Russia, arguably because they see Russia as an adversary to the current unipolar status of U.S. hegemony in the economic world. Therefore, the Mueller investigation can be seen in light of the timing of these indictments that never materialized into any convictions as a political exercise in order to undermine and sabotage such reproachment. You know, they just coincidentally would create this very antithetical political environment for any type of real diplomacy to even occur. Do you, do you remember the, the timing of, of these indictments? And can you speak to that a little bit, too? Sure. The, the timing was, was everything, of course. And, you know, there's a timing that's now revealed, which I will reiterate, that is more important than all this stuff. And that is that when the Russian hacking accusations were put together, they needed some way to prove them, right? To prove them in quotes. Now, the FBI has incredible expertise in looking into hacking, but for some reason, and we know what that reason is now, the head of the FBI, James Comey, hired a, quote, independent firm called CrowdStrike, run by a long-term protege of Robert Mueller at the FBI. For 12 years, he was Robert Mueller's, or he was the FBI's chief techie and good friend of Mueller. So what's the story here? Well, the story is simply this, that uh, this fellow, his name is Sean Henry. He let it be known, oh, yeah, we have technical evidence. that oh, yeah. Everybody said, oh, yeah, CrowdStrike is looking in this, and there's technical evidence of a Russian hack, and it's, you know, well, what happened? They got him under oath. The House Intelligence Committee on the 5th of December, 2017. So that's five years ago. Five years ago, they got him under oath and they said, all right, Mr. Sean Henry, head of CrowdStrike, you were given the task of looking into the DNC computers and servers. Tell us about how the Russians hacked. And his lawyer looks over, whispers into his ear, you're under oath, Sean, you're under oath. <laughs> and Henry says, well, there was no technical evidence of a Russian hack. As a matter of fact, there's no technical evidence that anyone hacked those DNC emails so prejudicial 
to Hillary Clinton. And and so, yeah, uh, we can't really say that, that there's evidence of a Russian, but, but it's consistent with Russian practice and the practice of other intelligence agencies to do this kind of thing. And, and that's why we reason toward, ah, oh, the Russians probably did, but there's no technical evidence. Now, <laughs> that's what they call circumstantial evidence, right? <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Just like the Hunter Biden laptop was a Russian operation, right? <laughs> God, it's so mm-hmm. awful. And the media, of course, lapped it right off. It's the same sort of thing. So long story short, that was five years ago. Was that testimony secret? No, it was unclassified. What happened to it? Why is it that no Americans know about that? Because Adam Schiff, the head of the House Intelligence Committee, put it in his bottom drawer of his safe and kept it secret. Again, it was unclassified. They labeled it unclassified sensitive. (laughs) That's not a classification. So here we are, December 5th. He, He deep sixes it. Now, what happens? Trump is unwise to the ways of Washington. He doesn't even realize that he could force the exposure of that testimony. Maybe they didn't even tell him about that testimony. In any case, he doesn't do anything until he gets a new director of national intelligence who is a little bit wiser to the ways of Washington. And he says, you know, Mr. President, you can force shift with that testimony. And the president says, yeah, how do you do that? I said, watch me. So this guy says to Schiff, look, I am authorized and I have the uh, prerogative to release that testimony. I'm going to do it next week. I give you a couple of days to do it. Well, Adam Schiff says, well, the jig is up, so to speak. Uh, I guess I have to reveal it. Hey, Ray, before we go on, let me just stop you there for a second. We need to take a brief pause for the cause. This is 91.7 KOOP Hornsby, Austin. This is the premier community radio station of the nation. This is Bringing Light into Darkness with Ray McGovern, and we will be back after this brief pause for the cause. Don't touch that dial. <laughs> 